0: Father, we come to you, giver of good and perfect gifts. In this season of giving, Lord, we are grateful for this gift of worship. The music we have heard, Lord, has inspired our hearts. And we say with the song, Oh come, let us adore you. Lord, our delight is to worship you. You made us for this and in every note of the music this morning, Lord, we pray that you received glory. And we pray that you will get glory in, your, in our lives and in your church today and throughout this week and this Advent season. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So where do we go when we need to know? We live in an age of great information and knowledge explosion. T.S. Eliot said, where is the wisdom that we have lost in knowledge and where is the knowledge we have lost in information? We find ourselves searching for answers for our lives and for our world. And one symptom of this in a book called Bad Religion by Ross Douthat. I taught this to a group of doctoral students earlier this year. He says the United States has witnessed a 100-fold increase in the number of professional caregivers since 1950. What do those numbers look like? We boast in our country 77,000 clinical psychologists, 192,000 clinical social workers, 105,000 mental health counselors, 50,000 marriage and family therapists, 17,000 nurse psychotherapists, 30,000 life coaches, that seems like a new category to me, and hundreds of thousands of non-clinical social workers and substance abuse counselors as well. What this means is most of these professionals are not dealing especially with people who have um, significant mental health issues, but rather they're, they're really helping them with everyday life problems. What this means is more now than ever, we are going to other people to find information to deal with our everyday life issues. Where do we go when we need to know? On this first Sunday of Advent, we come to our text for the next uh, month or so. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 through chapter 9, verse 7 Just what I always wanted, what I always needed, wonderful counselor. We're going to look at four names that are given to Jesus that have everything to do with what you and I need. So stand with me in reverence for God and His Word. And let's hear the Word of the Lord together today. You'll find, by the way, outside on the tables, our Advent guide. It starts today. You're not late. And uh, it is written by our member. Sarah Clark wrote the first devotional, and I hope you will take advantage of that. It's also available online. An everyday reading and devotional from the Scriptures for this season. Hear the word of the Lord together today. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they'll become enraged. And looking upward will curse their king and their God. And then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress In the past, He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, He will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Israel was about to go into captivity, the northern kingdom to the Assyrians. And in the southern kingdom, Ahaz had had a miserable reign. And all the, that the people had hoped for, this ruler was going to fix it. He was going to make everything all right. And they were deeply disappointed. And in the middle of that, this king, Ahaz, refuses to ask God help, Isaiah reasons with him and says, just ask God, ask him for anything. And, And Ahaz says, oh, I don't want to bother God. And Isaiah says, you make people tired. Now you're making God tired by your unwillingness to seek the resources which he wants to make available to you. And in the middle of that, in, in chapter seven, he says, A child will be born and his name will be, we sang it this morning in that new song, thank you for that, Emmanuel, God with us. A baby will be born named God with us. When did that happen in the history of Israel? Some say, Well, this was a prediction of the Birth of Hezekiah. Well, Hezekiah was a better king than his dad Ahaz. After all, he spread out the threats of uh, the Assyrians and prayed before the Lord, something his father wouldn't do. But it turns out that Hezekiah wasn't exactly a wonderful counselor. He was never a mighty God. He was never an everlasting father and he wasn't the prince of peace. No, Isaiah, looking through the lens of the future, 740 years, saw the birth of a child who would grow up like every other child but on him would rest the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and counsel and understanding and he would be a wonder of a counselor. He would be almighty God. He would be the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the church father, Augustine. If you think about great after Jesus, great leaders of the church, think August, think Paul, think Augustine, th- think Martin Luther, and maybe, I'm looking around, maybe one of you is next. But Augustine wrote these words, He so loved us that for our sake he was made man in time. Although through him all times were made, he was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy. He the word without whom all human eloquence is mute. And he says, this child first for this week, a wonder of a counselor, not a therapist so much, if I may. Thank God for therapists and the good work that Christian therapists do. But, but it's not that. It's more, this word in Hebrew is strategist. He has a plan that he's going to work out. And so we place our hope and our trust believing that the child who was born, Jesus, is the one we have been waiting for. He's the one Israel had always needed. He's the one that gives us everything we need. Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, has everything we need. And today we see that he offers supernatural wisdom to show us the plans of God for the world. And we worship in wonder at the wisdom he gives and the wisdom he is because Jesus is a wonderful counselor. We may live a wonderful, wonder-filled life. Two thoughts from this. First the negative, then the positive. We will not find the wisdom we need from anyone except God. So notice the story. So Israel is looking for wisdom. And where are they turning? To spiritists. To mediums. They're going to people who think and say that they are speaking to the dead in order to give advice to the living. They want want to know so badly they're willing to turn to anyone. It reminds us, I think, of, of Saul who goes to the witch of Indoors, So that he may speak with the spirit of Samuel. Something expressly forbidden in the scripture. And I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But if we won't go to God, we'll turn almost anywhere to find what we need to know to live. For instance, over in, in Europe, which may be just about oh, five or six decades ahead of us spiritually in some ways... As one Norwegian pastor said, God is is out in Norway, but spirits and ghosts are filling the vacuum. Belief in God, or at least a Christian God, is decreasing, but belief in spirits is increasing when we sent a group of you some of you went to iceland i know cindy Lutz, my assistant went on that team of missionaries over to iceland and what they found was the people there believe in gnomes not just like little ones in your garden but actual gnomes they they believe in these spirits and they they've gone back to the paganism that preceded christianity More than half of young adults in the U.S. believe that astrology, not astronomy, but astrology, is a science. The psychic services industry, which includes astrology, aura reading, mediumship, tarot card reading, palmistry, among other metaphysical services, is now worth $2 billion Annually, according to industry analysis. I, I was driving through a, a city. I don't remember where we were because we did a lot of driving this weekend going to, to take the turkey to our sick grandchildren and their families. But, but I saw this big white sign in red letters, psychic, right there next to a dentist, as if to say, as much as you need help with your teeth... The psychic is equally valid as one who can give you what you need. This is proven to be preposterous. I think of Judith Richardson Hames, who was an American woman from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She was a psychic in Newark, Delaware, uh, Newark in Delaware, until she had an allergic reaction to an iodine tracer in a CAT scan, and allegedly this disabled her ability to be a psychic. So she sued Temple University Hospital and won a $600,000 settlement. Get this. I want you to hear this. Because the iodine in the CAT scan took away her ability to read the future. And am I I the only one in the room who thinks if she was a psychic, shouldn't she have seen that coming? (laughs) I mean, you would think, you know, if you can read the future... You'd have known. I'm not making light of it, but the court did overturn the $600,000 judgment. They thought she should have seen it coming too. The Psychic Friends Network, the industry leader for daily horoscopes. I I pray you're not wasting your time on that. Next time you open a fortune cookie, I hope it says, I have no idea, because whoever wrote it doesn't. But the Psychic Friends Network, this industry leader for horoscopes and psychic advice, uh, the company's web, website advertises we we all want to know what our future holds. For centuries, we have longed. Uh, great leaders have sought and found the vital psychic edge, and and now and so now can you? They say. But there's a disclaimer at the bottom. I think this is hilarious. And the disclaimer at the bottom is: Do not rely on anything we say. We we do not actually have the ability to tell you what the future holds. Well, at least they're honest about that. But it's a $2 billion. I'm telling you, where do you go when you need to know? And lots of people are paying lots of money who have not the foggiest idea what your future holds, but they will gladly take your money. And this is what ancient Israel was doing. And Isaiah, if I may say, was indignant about it. He was downright belligerent. He says, you do have a God, don't you? Has anybody thought about asking him? It might be that the one who actually holds the future could give you directions, step by step, to find the future, and it made me wonder, do we still have a God? Has he given us his word to the book? To the redemptive story of God, we must return again and again. And you'll forgive me if I just get on a uh, a little bit of a high horse here this morning and say, the the, the church has, has plenty of need to hear and to do what God wants us to do in these days. But if one more historian writes an epic book telling the church, now here's what you need to do. If one more psychologist For all the good I think Jordan Peterson may or may not have done, the church doesn't need to go to Jordan to find out what we're supposed to do. We don't need the politicians to tell us what we ought to do. What we need is to fall on our faces before God and say, what would you like for us to do? Your Majesty This baby who was born in Bethlehem. And it turns out, again and again, the scripture says, so God's not looking to people, not even famous people, for advice. Writing a book on Bonhoeffer doesn't make you an authority on the church. The truth is the people of God must go back to God again and again. There is no substitute. So again, Isaiah in chapter 40 at that turning point in this book says, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught God knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And the answer is no one on this earth, no one on this earth can tell God and his people what they ought to do. But the good news is God is still talking. He's still speaking if we will listen. So the second point, if I can get to the positive, with anticipation, we look to Christ to offer us the counsel which will fill our hearts with wonder And worship. And he says to us, notice how personal it is to us, a son is given. If Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, had one of those little gift tags on him, your name would be on it. It's for you. He's for you. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. God's gift is personal. I think of that old song. I'll date myself. Steve Camp, who was a pioneer in contemporary Christian music, had this little chorus that's never left me. He is for every man. Anyone who wants him can He's not for some, but for everyone. He is for every man, every woman, every child. He is for everyone. God's gift is personal. God's gift is personal. It turns out He will know how to govern. He will rule. What will He do? He will bring joy so that we receive the good things He brings. He brings joy, and He enlarges the people. I think this is fulfilled ultimately in Revelation 7, when all the nations of the earth come to to Christ that's the fulfillment of that and we will rejoice he says he will give us great joy he will give us justice he will give us peace and he also takes away the bad so he takes away war so that people don't study as the old uh, spiritual says they don't study for war no more there, there will be no more weapons the weapons as we heard these two sisters read, um, will be beaten out into something useful. Jesus' wisdom leads us to wonder. The the translators struggle with this. Maybe if you have the King James Version, it's five titles, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. But but the way it's written, it looks like it's four titles, and they're, they're all Nouns and so the the hard part for us is so so what is it? He's one who plans wonderful things, and our world needs wonderful things. And if you you don't believe Jesus brought wonderful things, think about think about what happens when Jesus is born. You'll probably read this, and we've got the new children's Advent that's available. If you've got children, we've got a a book over there for you. in this, you, you learn from Matthew chapter 2 that the wise... Who were they? The, they weren't kings, actually. We should be clear about this. Um, we don't even know if there were three, but they brought three gifts. Somebody said there were four wise men, but the fourth one was kicked out because he brought fruitcake. I can't validate that. I don't know. I don't know. But, but they were wise men, magi. They were the smartest people of the East, and they came bringing gifts to one and here's the deal they don't give advice to joseph and mary they don't give advice to jesus they come searching asking questions because they know enough to know even from their false religion that the one who's been born whom that star marks has the answer no he is the answer when jesus comes to the temple as a 12-year-old, Luke two forty-seven says the religious leaders of that time, remember Jesus stayed a little bit later at church than his family, and they thought he was with them in the group. They had to go back and find him. They found him. He said, I had to be in my father's house. And what was he doing? He's carrying on a dialogue, and it says the religious leaders in the temple were amazed at his insight. When he starts his ministry, his very first uh, sign, as John describes it in John chapter 2 at Cana, and his mom's kind of in charge of the uh, wedding reception. And at that wedding reception, um, she simply says, this is Mary, by the way, whom some venerate, not based on Scripture. Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do. And she points at her son. She knows her her son knows, right? Do what he says. I wonder, how much simpler would my life and your life be if we simply did what he says? If we just did what he says? He's a wonder of a counselor. How do we know that? In John chapter 3, Nicodemus uh, comes and, and he compliments Jesus, and Jesus says, so you need to be born again. Three times, Jesus says, you need to be to be born again and he says well I don't know how I could be born again because I'm an adult and adults can't be born again he takes it very literally and Jesus looks at him this is in John chapter 3 verse 10 not you are a teacher he says you are the teacher of Israel you're the teacher and you don't know this the teacher of Israel came to Jesus at night because he needed to know where do we go when we need to know, in John 7, the temple guard is sent out to arrest Jesus. They come back without him. And the, uh, the people in the temple, the Sadducees, I presume, who are the leaders of the temple at that point, the priests say, why didn't you bring Jesus back? We sent you out to arrest Jesus. And they said, if I can paraphrase it in the Brooksy paraphrase, arrest him. He arrested us with his words. We've heard you guys teach, but we've never heard anybody speak the way that Jesus speaks. So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, after Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Do you believe me when I say Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's the one who knows. G.K. Chesterton said, "'The world is not lacking in wonders, "'but in a sense of wonder.'" Malcolm Muggeridge prayed, "'Lord, help me never to lose the wonder.'" There's a a new book by Anne Lamott on prayer, and the title of the book is is kinda catchy. I think it says something like, uh, help, thanks, and wow. This is her definition of prayer. Help, God help me. Thank you for helping me. And wow, wow God what you've done. And she goes on to say, wow is that moment when we gasp and we realize only God could have done this. His name is wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. He he plans wonderful things for the, the people of God. And so Jesus fills us with wonder and Jesus leaves us with no doubt. So we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become to us wisdom from God. What is that wisdom? Well, it's our righteousness, it's holiness. It's redemption. So he says, therefore, if you're going to brag, brag about the Lord. Tony Campolo said in therapy, as it's been practiced through the years, often you're having a terrible day. You tell your therapist about it. You feel a lot better. They feel terrible because they took upon them. Hopefully not, but maybe they took upon them your burden. He said, in that sense, Jesus is the greatest of all. Because you take your sin and your burden and you bring it to him. And he literally on the cross took it upon himself so that he could set us free to live and become who he wanted us to be. Bruce Tielemann said, in your pain you may be tempted to say, God, you have no idea what I'm going through. But then he can point at the wounds in his hands and his feet and say, same, same. I know your pain. I have endured the sorrow. I'm a man of sorrows. And if you come to me, you will find that I care and that I can help. And Bruce Thielman wrote, that is what Christmas is all about. When you need to know. Where do you go? There was a a new age sensation back in January of 2015. 2015 nearly eight years ago, Doreen Virtue. I've heard her name. I've never read anything that she wrote. I'm kind of proud of that fact. This new age philosopher was driving down the road and she had the good fortune to tune in on her radio to a sermon by Alistair Begg, that preacher up in Cleveland, one of the finest Bible teachers of this generation and he was teaching from 2nd Timothy 4 about people who have itching ears who listen to what they want to listen to and listen to what Doreen Virtue said as she was driving down the road listening to a Christian sermon she said his words pierced my stony heart And I felt ashamed of my false teachings. Then when I read Deuteronomy chapter 18, 10 to 12, I encountered a list of sinful activities that included several that I was practicing, such as divination, interpreting signs and omens, mediumship. I was broken, deeply shamed, and humbled. I dropped to my knees in shame and sorrow. I'm so sorry, God, I kept wailing in repentance. I didn't know said every medium and spiritist and New Age philosopher ever, if they told you the truth, I didn't know. She didn't know, but that day she came to know. On that very day, she said, I gave my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. She was abandoned, by the way, by the New Age community. Her books were translated into 38 different languages, but her publisher cut her off. And in her words, she said, after seeking but never finding peace in new age, I have finally found it in Christ. How about you? Anybody here need to know? We have a wonder of a counselor who plans wonderful things for his they are here in his word he speaks to us in his word so James chapter 1 verse 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you I think we ought to ask him his name is wonderful He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him. Yes, Lydia. Oh, come, let us adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Is he your Lord? Do you need to know? Then you know where you need to go. Go to him, church, as we look forward into our future. I'm not reading a single book on church strategy, not one. But I am diligently and desperately crying out to God saying, God, what would you like to do with your church called Tallowood? Could we make this a month of prayer? where we seek the counsel of God. We don't need to go to anybody else, anybody less. I'm not afraid to say, I don't have all the answers. I can, I can say with Jehoshaphat, we have no power, and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And when our eyes are on Jesus, our wonderful counselor, they're in exactly the right place. We ought to ask him if we need to know. We know where to go. Go to him. Pray with me. Father, I thank you that you are here, that you are guiding your people step by step. You always guide us along the right paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So guide us, God. As we look forward to the future you have planned for us, Lord, we're not looking back. There's no turning back. We're not looking backward. We're looking forward. And as we look forward, we are grateful to know that the one who was born in Bethlehem and who walked with the spirit of counsel and wisdom and knowledge is right here, guiding his church. Guide us, O thou great Jehovah. Lead us in the way you want us to go. And when you say go, we will not say no. In Jesus' name, amen.